Quick disclaimer, the interviews you'll hear today were completed well before COVID was a reality for all of us. The strategies the organizations discussed are strategies they were going to put in place before we lived in a quarantine. They remain relevant today, though, because we want listeners to understand all that is required to get to 100% count. We have a large segment of our population that, for one reason or another, has been historically excluded from the decennial census count. So getting them to be informed and excited about participating in a process that they have not been invited to or been left out of is a big challenge. College students are one of the hardest to count. Do I get counted if I live in my apartment or my dorm? Do I get counted if I live with my parents sometimes? And even their families don't know, do they count their college student? $2,300 per person is what we lose for every person in Georgia that's not counted. So if you do the quick math there, that's $154 million on an annual basis that Georgia would lose out on just if black men alone were not counted. It's a fear-based thing, and it's also an apathy thing. But I think that we owe it to ourselves, to our children, to the future, to be able to take a stand and, and say, look, you can't mess with our community and just discriminate against us and get away with it. From Bridger Media, 2020 Counts, the limited series on Census 2020, with your hosts, Layla Jerusalem and Allison Bajracharya. Hi, Layla. How are you this morning? Hi, Allison. Aside from the fact that coronavirus is raging all around us, I'm fine. And, you know, it's a little bit sad that something as important as the census is getting overlooked and not the traction or attention it needs. But I'm really grateful for the folks on the ground who are still working hard to make sure that it does. I, I'm hopeful that it's not getting overlooked. I, I think it could actually be a really natural distraction for a lot of people. We completed ours last night online. You turned it into a civics lesson. Yeah, I mean, my kids have few conversations with me where I'm not trying to impose some learning on them. So for someone like Oliver, what is his experience of completing the racial categories? We followed Natalie's advice and checked the other Asian category and put in uh, Swiss Nepali, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is what so we you did took... for my kids too, actually. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, like, you took half her advice because she was like, not even sure that box meant anything. I'm going to fill it in too. I'm just saying. I know that I found great community finding the Filipino Iranians. Yeah. And I'm sure I've told you this story. It was through the Philippine national soccer team. Even though, in my mind, the census isn't getting any attention, it's really great to know that people on the ground are out there and, and doing the work. Well, I just think like in the arc of our series, you know, the second episode, on the history of racism and the census is dark, uh, but it's a very important story to tell. Um, but in these really dark times we're all living, we also need some hope. And I'm grateful that there are hundreds of organizations locally across the state of California and nationally 
that are working so hard on getting the word out about the census and are doing really innovative work. And I think now even more innovative work, given the the circumstances of the time of quarantine, um, to get the word out and to really ensure that we don't have an undercount. This episode provides a little more hope. And we got to talk to some really impressive and thoughtful leaders in the advocacy space, including a woman who's leading up the outreach efforts for the city of LA, program director in Atlanta, who is uh, running Fair Count, which is Stacey Abrams, um, the amazing woman who ran for governor in Georgia, her new nonprofit to really focus on eliminating the undercount. We spoke with your hero, uh, sorry, <laughs> one of your heroes, <laughs> Maz Giovanni, which we have to talk about that experience. <laughs> and then we spoke oh, with yeah. a local senator who, whose personal story is just really inspiring. So these conversations were really awesome to have. Yeah. And these are four of hundreds of thousands of people across the country. I think we learned 200,000 organizations plus work with yeah, the census, either officially yeah, officially or unofficially to get the word out. And I think maybe a good like marketing strategy is to say, look, if you don't do it online, we're going to have to come <laughs> to your door and you don't want us to do that. I'm from the U.S. Census Bureau, so I'm going to talk you through the questions. And when I get to the question about race, I suggest you tell me to write Iranian-American or Iranian. Is there a box for Iranian-American? No, no, there's no box, but I will check other and then write in Iranian-American. But we are, we are white. Just put white. There's a box for white. Technically, that's true, but that's not going to help us be counted. Oh. That was a video to persuade Iranian-Americans to participate in the 2010 census. Hi, I'm comedian Maz Jobrani, and I'm here to talk to you today about the census. The census came to my attention uh, about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit before. Everyone had heard about the census. I used to even do a joke about it because the fact is I still don't know how many Iranian-Americans there are, and I know the numbers are pretty varied to me, because when I go to my shows, there's always Iranians everywhere I go. So I think to myself, there's got to be at least a million, but the numbers are much lower. So around 2010, there was a few different organizations who said that they were going to encourage Iranian Americans to write in Iranian in the other space, just so we could really be counted. And I think that a lot of immigrants, when they come to America, they are not as civically active as most Americans tend to be. And I think that part of that is that maybe they come from these countries and governments where you try to lay low and not get political at all. And so partially, I think they don't trust the system. They feel that if I fill out a census, that's just going to give the government more information about me, and then they're going to come get me. But the movement was to get people to write that so that they could learn, so that they could be counted, and then also to try and educate people on the benefits of being counted. I think a lot of people don't realize the benefits that come with having a community that's at a certain size, whether it's the federal funding that goes to your community, uh, whether it's, I, I was told back then that if you reach a certain level of, of minority status, that certain hospitals have to have people who speak that language at the hospital. Maz expected the video to go viral and get much needed attention on the census. I said, just bring a bunch of wigs. I'll 
play a bunch of characters. And I said, we could base it off of my joke. I had a joke where I would say that Iranians don't answer the census and we don't want to be known. How many people live in this household? Zero. What's the annual income range? Zero. Just curious, what's your favorite movie then? <laughs> so I played all these different characters who are having someone come to the door as part of the census and they're finding ways to avoid giving the right answer. It didn't quite get the traction he was hoping for. I don't know what happened, but I had friends of mine coming up going, hey, dude, I saw your video. That was really funny. And I go, thanks. And I go, did you fill out the census? They go, no, that was serious. I go, yeah, it was serious. So they thought it was just a sketch. And I'm pretty sure our numbers went down from last, like from 2000 to 2010. I think we lost like 20, 30,000 or something. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, I, if, I don't, if it had a good effect. I feel that if most young people who could vote went out and voted and they got their family to get on board, I think that then likely you would have a different administration. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people are apathetic and then they get this census and they have excuses not to do it. And they go, oh, I don't wanna, well, I'm not gonna count. Well, you know, oh, they're just gonna get more information about me. Oh, it's just BS. I'm American, why should I even put something? I go, well, you know, because there's a lot of benefits that come with it and, and your numbers count. And even something uh, along the lines of if, let's, for example, if Iranians were a recognized minority, Perhaps when things like the travel ban happened and then the Iranian community stepped up and said, this is a discrimination, then politicians might listen because they go, oh, wow, they have a big contingency. We should really listen to them. Maz has wondered why Iranians are so hesitant to get involved. It's a fear-based thing and it's also an apathy thing. But I think that we owe it to ourselves, to our children, to the future, to be able to take a stand and and say, look, you can't mess with our community and just discriminate against us and get away with it. America's about being involved. It's about go out and vote. It's about being counted. If you can make people in a palpable way realize what representation does for them, whether it's that $2,000 per person that's going to be given to your community or whatever that is, I think the more people realize the benefit of it, because, and by the way, it's only once every 10 years. So just, you know, and, and you say, look, it's going to take whatever it is, five minutes or three minutes or whatever, go to this website, fill it out. It could help your community be recognized and once to every 10 years. And then just, you know, after that, just go have a Mai Tai, sip a margarita. You're done for 10 years. Maz is one high-profile figure emphasizing the importance of the census to his underrepresented community. Fortunately, he's not alone. Maria Garcia, whom we met in our first episode, leads the 2020 Census Initiative for the city of Los Angeles. The state of California invested a record $187 million towards Census 2020 outreach, and the city of Los Angeles is a beneficiary of those funds. She and her team have spent two years developing plans to get to 100% count in the city of LA. We received funding from the state through the county of Los Angeles. So we're actually a subcontractor. And as a subcontractor, we're responsible for using those state funds to do direct outreach to our residents in Los Angeles to inform them about the 2020 census and make sure that they know how and where to respond. 
One of the challenges that we have in the city of Los Angeles is that we are the largest city in the hardest to count county in the entire country, making us likely the hardest to count city. And we're hard to count primarily because of our geographic and demographic diversity. Los Angeles is home to about 4 million residents, 57% of our population uh, belongs to a hard to count population or historically undercounted population. Those groups are racial and ethnic minority populations. It also includes immigrants, renters, families with very young children. We also have housing that is just hard to identify, just unique living quarters that people are experiencing or, you know, find themselves in. So, you know, sometimes it's just even hard to identify where individuals are living. Today, people within specific communities are recruited to spread the word. Like all good campaigns, hearing it from someone you trust is the most effective approach to getting someone to complete the census. So the city of Los Angeles developed a program to train local leaders to promote it in 2020. These are folks that are oftentimes wanting to volunteer, but don't find themselves in either the right opportunity or the right time. And so what we've done is we've incentivized our program and are offering them a small volunteer gift of $100 to host a community event. And it could be with their family, with their neighbors. It could be a backyard barbecue or a picnic at the park. And they can use those $100 to subsidize their event. And all we ask is that they talk about the census. And so this has really resonated with our communities that are hard to count. And so we've been able to recruit and train almost 900 Census Goodwill ambassadors in our hardest to count areas in the city. Why do the stakes feel so high right now? If we achieved an accurate count in 2010, we could have had a 54-member delegation for the last 10 years in California rather than 53. And so just looking at population trends, population data shows that in 2020, California stands to either stay the same or potentially lose a seat in Congress. And that congressional seat might come from Los Angeles. So, you know, the reality is that Los Angeles in representation has a lot to lose. Los Angeles, like many other cities, has particular challenges in getting to 100% count. There are still areas in Los Angeles that aren't connected to the internet and don't have high-speed broadband access. South Los Angeles, for instance, 54% of households in that neighborhood report not having a computer at home. And so our ability to be able to make sure that people respond to the census is challenged by the fact that they might not even have access to a computer with internet access. So we're definitely concerned. uh, And one of the ways that we have tackled that potential barrier is by establishing questionnaire assistance kiosks and questionnaire assistance centers in our facilities where we have computers with internet access 
places like our libraries, our work source centers, our recreation and parks, uh, senior centers, computer learning labs, places where people already go to use a computer. So, Maria, what's your biggest fear between now and when the census rolls out? I can't afford to think about what (laughs) worst case scenario would happen. So I am an eternal optimist and trust that all of the work and preparation that we've been doing in Los Angeles is going to carry the day and get people to respond. Completing a 100% count is a race against time. And now that the census can be completed online for the first time, access to the internet is crucial. We are trying to engage in some of the hardest to count communities traditionally to make sure that this year they're not considered hard to count. That's Ed Reed. He's a program director at Fair Count, an organization created by Stacey Abrams to ensure a fair and accurate count in the state of Georgia. We think fair count is really needed, and that's why we have organizers on the ground working daily um, to make sure that we're empowering and engaging these communities. You know, initially we started off with a pilot program with the AME Church in Georgia where we selected 25 strategically working with the AME Church to um, do a pilot program with installing the Internet. And, you know, we're not only doing places of worship. We're doing businesses. We're doing organizations. We're doing um, daycares, head starts. So we really want to be creative and innovative about what we're doing. And in most cases, this means that we're providing um, a set of Chromebooks or laptops, um, a mobile hotspot, or even wired internet access in some cases. At $2,300 per person is what we lose for every person in Georgia that's not counted. So if you do the quick math there, that's $154 million on an annual basis that Georgia would lose out on just if black men alone were not counted. And black men um, are the most undercounted population um, that exists nationally. And so we wanted to figure out a creative and innovative way to reach black men. So we came up with this complete count committee. It's composed of about 30, 35 black men from across the state of Georgia. Um, And they represent all walks of life. We have um, people that are entering society from um, prison or being incarcerated. We have barbers. We have faith leaders. We have elected officials. We have students. We have members of the LGBTQ community. We wanted to make sure that we had a diverse group of people coming together to come up with some of the best ideas on how we reach and engage black men in this process. And we know that it's difficult for some people in terms of their suspicion of the government. There's a a need to explain the rationale as to why the information is needed. So that's why we we think fair count is is really needed. And that's why we have organizers on the ground working daily um, to make sure that we're empowering and engaging these communities. Georgia's Fair Count and LA's Complete Count Committee are two of hundreds of thousands of organizations across our country working to end the undercount. And it doesn't stop there. Fair Count wants communities to use the devices they donate for career building and to strengthen the pathway to greater civic participation. We don't want to be extractive from these communities in in such a way that when the census is over, we go in and we just pull these devices out and we remove that infrastructure. We want to leave that in for whatever the next initiative and civic participation empowerment tool might be. 
And we've heard from some locations that they want to do resume building workshops. They want to do some type of career building things with these devices, even after the census is gone. I have about 40 students enrolled, interested in generating outreach campaigns for their individual communities. That's Natalie Masoka. You heard from her in the last episode. She's a political science and Asian American studies professor at University of California, Los Angeles. Ideally, hopefully in L.A. County, but they could also connect back home. So what they're going to do is we're going to learn about the census. We're going to learn about the implications of it. Different activist groups in L.A. County, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, Advancing Justice Los Angeles, Naleo. We're going to talk to probably the mayor's office, Urban League. I've invited some of these groups to come and talk to us for these students to think about what are culturally appropriate ways of which we can engage in communities, what are the specific constraints and and problems that each community faces. And so our students are going to be broken down in different groups, choosing a different hard-to-count community and developing a specific outreach strategy. In addition to advocacy groups, elected officials like Senator Susan Rubio in California run numerous campaigns to ensure those they serve, which in her district include majority Latino and Asian Pacific Islanders, referred to here as API, are counted in the census. I represent two assembly districts, the Assembly District 48th. It's a little bit more predominantly Latino, Caucasian, but I also represent Assembly District 49th, and there's a high API population. And so when I set out to educate our community about the census, I wanted to do it in three languages. I'm a fluent Spanish speaker, so I did in Spanish. But in the past few weeks, I decided I wanted to master at least the message in Mandarin. So I did a little bit of Mandarin on on that PSA so I I can reach all three languages as best as I could. And I think that that's going to help people understand how important it is to me for them to trust me and want to participate. That information is not to be shared. And so, again, we just have to do a better job of making sure that our community does believe in what we say. And I think that when I go out there and I speak Spanish to our community that's afraid, it gives them a little bit of a sense of comfort that I'm really one of them and I'm telling them the truth. So I just feel that it's important for us to collectively share that message. It's safe, it's confidential, and the more that we participate and be counted, the more funding our schools, our seniors, our roads, our police departments, just everything is going to be so much better for our families. So it's important. Individuals, advocacy groups, and politicians are investing time and money to make sure their communities are counted in Census 2020. The COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted a lot of their work and they've had to change course quickly. Join us for our next episode to learn how organizations are pivoting their outreach strategies. The stakes have never been higher. 2020 Counts is hosted and produced by Alison Bajracharya and Leila Jerusalem. This episode was produced and mixed by Samantha Getzik. Thank you to Mazda Brani and Iranikan for providing media. Visit us at www.bridgermedia.com. That's B-R-I-D-G-R-media.com. Bridger Media.